to yeah, and so we can tell you these films. Yeah, we could tell you that these you know movies exist, and you know you can see them and you know appreciate them better. I mean, hopefully, hopefully we can do a good job of you know relating that to you. Um, but yes, <laughs> I mean, we we are obviously amateur auteurs. We are amateurs. It's our very first podcast, but uh, I I think we're pretty competent guys that we can. Yeah, I think so. I mean. Yes, I think we can we can articulate our points in a intelligent manner. Hey guys, welcome to the show. I'm your host Mike and joining me as always. Hey guys, Brian. And we have a bit of a special episode for you guys this week. Brian, do you want to explain what we got in store for them? Yeah, so so we've we've taken we've been doing the show for about three and a half years now, and going back and forth, listening to how we've grown, how we've how how we've evolved the podcast over the years, we we decided that we want to do a special episode today, and I guess it's more of a retrospective episode and. A reflection of where we've come with the podcast, who we are as people, how the show's progressed. Also, I think it's geared more towards the newer listeners and giving you a better feel of the show. Because you, those of you who have listened to us from the beginning or have been listening to us for a while, you know what our feel is, how we are as people, our taste, stuff like that. So this, I guess this episode is geared more towards new people, but also for those of you who've been listening for a while, I guess gauging how far we've come as podcasters, as people, you know, so far where will we've come from. Is that is that accurate? No, yeah, exactly, Brian. And it's one of those things that we were we were talking about future episodes and stuff we want to do for the show and where we wanted to go. And we were sitting, you know, talking and I think I, I went back and listened to our pilot episode and that's when we thought, yep, I think it's uh because we want to revisit some of our uh, the the films that we've talked about before. Because I think we can do a we think we can do a much better job with the discussion. So I went back and listened. And I was like, wow, we are very different. And it seems also when I check our podcast analytics, I don't know how accurate they are, but it seems like we've been gathering you know a little bit of a following, and which is nice. I don't know, like I said, I don't know how accurate those numbers are, but you know it could be 20 people, 100 people, 200 people. It doesn't matter to me as long as we have we could have one consistent listener and that be and that be great. But it's awesome that it seems like we're picking up a little bit of traction slowly. That's all that's all I ever wanted was just hopefully just like a little group of people. Even if I even if we got to one person, I that would have been good enough for me. So the fact that I trust you with the analytics. I'm not. I'm just. I'm just the talent. I just. I just give my voice. But I don't. I don't pay attention to the numbers. I would like. I, I mean, I've been listening to what you've been saying, and as long as, for me, for me going into it, as long as there is just one person that we would consistently recommend good movies to, or what have you, that was always good enough for me. But the fact that that we do have some sort of a following and a, and a base, I really do want to give my appreciation and thanks to everyone who's listening and who's been following us whether or not you're new or have been old an old fan i just want to say thank you so much we couldn't do this without you and i, I really do love just talking to you guys and like you said this is geared i mean it's it's a reflective uh, tool for us but it's it's also you know kind of a trip down memory lane to just kind of critically assess how we've changed as people when we started this podcast i mean listening back to that pilot we we were we were avid podcast listeners since we were in high school and it took us until our sophomore year of co- or going into our sophomore year of college to finally sit down and say this is what we're going to do after years of talking about it and just saying what if and then we finally made it a reality and we and so that so that was you know college instrumental moment it's a life it's life changing and, and and you're getting all these new experiences and now we're po- both post grad moving into we're still in school I'm in nursing school you in law school we're at that next caliber of schooling and you know I just wanted to sit down and really just you know take a look back and discuss with you how we've changed for for the better I think well I think before we continue I want to say I do I do think back of the original, um, I guess, branding of the name. We were kind of throwing out names. We were working at the farm, 
Uh, for those of you who don't know, I don't. I, I'm sure we've talked about it. How we used to live next to like a thousand acre farm. Our part time summer job would be to work pretty much landscaping kind of situations where we just do pretty much do ri- a lot of riding mower jobs and cut fields of just grass to make it look good. And I remember after a break, me and Mike, we worked the same shift at that last year when we were forming the podcast. I remember we were sitting in the shade and Mike was like, okay, I got it. I got a name and it's the amateur auteurs. And my first inclination was like, oh, that's a stupid title. And I remember immediately after I said that, it kind of started to warm up on me almost immediately. I think it was just because Mike said it. I was like, ah, that's a dumb title. But like, then I was like, oh, that's actually a really good title. And even still, I always constantly think about that. And then probably a week later, we, we recorded the pilot and um, I think Dawn of the Dead or whatever the first couple episodes were. We did we did a batch of like four episodes in one night. And I, I just I just wanted to relate that story because I always do think about that and it's funny. And it's even funnier. It just I mean, yes, I do remember that you not liking the name Amateur All Tours. And then it did grow in you. And I remember, I remember the time we it was right before. It's probably that night we recorded. Cause I said, "Well, sucks that you don't like it. It's it's our name." And and I remember right before we recorded, you said, "You know, I like the name. It, it's fitting for us because you know, amateur all tours. We are amateurs at what we do with with podcasting and also with filmmaking. But we also strive to be all tours. We strive to be different." And, and whatever we do and the content that we create, whether it be, like I said, this podcast and writings and art and films we make in our lives, we just want to be different and and really reach out and just and just be that auteur of our lives. So but I also look back on that. I, I constantly keep thinking back on that first night when we recorded because it really hitting home the amateur feel you know, listening back. So in Maryland, where we grew up, like right next to the farm, we, our parents had a trailer and I'm sure we've mentioned it before. And the pictures are just, on Twitter. <laughs> yep. That is true. And we would sit in this like mobile trailer. Cause it was the only quiet place and away from our parents that we could be in. And we would sit there. And I remember you could hear like crickets in the background. You could, we were in the same room. So the editing, like sometimes there was an echo and it's just, it's kind of endearing, but also I think for me, like vastly unprofessional and you could really, it, you can really hear it. But at the same time, we were 19 years old. We had no idea what the hell we were doing. I mean, we still don't really know what we're doing, but I think it's a little, we know a little bit more than we did three yeah, and a half years ago. You can truly tell that we had, well, not that we had no idea what we were doing, but we didn't know what our groove was. We were trying to, and which is, I think for me as a writer, and as anyone creative can figure out, it's like the organic process of uh, the trial, repeat, stuff like that. So, I mean, even even from them, we were in the same room. We started starting in the same room. Uh, the, the noise was kind of a distraction. We kind of were just going out of shooting from the hip. And then we figured out, okay, we'll record in a different room. Get we, I don't... Do we have mics? I think we did. No, we had these headsets that we currently use. Okay, but... We found out a better way of editing it. We found out a better way of we found well even how our how we gauge the conversation. I remember me and you often talk about how we how we tried to form format our style of conversation around a particular podcast film appreciation podcast that we like so much. And then we kind of figured out through maybe the after that first year that it wasn't really working for us in the way our conversations were geared towards. And then we kind of just sat down and said, hey. This is how we should have the conversation, just talk about it. And then we kind of started finding our groove gradually until we have what the product that we have now, which is vastly superior. I mean, me and you constantly talk about how we can't listen to the first, I would say, 15, 20 episodes because it, we, I just can't. It, it, it's interesting because how we conduct the conversation, but also just how we talk in general, have just improved vastly. Whether it's through the podcast and through our professional experiences, which I totally attribute it's a both side spectrum, that we were using less fillers of as like we used. I used to say you know so much. Now if you now that I say that, when you go back and listen, you will hear that all the time. Or we say like or uh whatever whatever have you. I feel like even just as like professional speakers, we are through this podcast, we are getting better at it. So it's interesting. That that's why I don't go back and listen. 
and to add on to that, like for me personally, I I, I like I said I was wa- I listened to our pilot episode so I can kind of ask the same questions and see how we've changed. But uh, I I really I I've gotten much better, but I had a lot of fillers, but it just I felt like my confidence level in that first episode is was so not low. I just I I would say oh yeah, my my the tone and the enthusiasm in my voice was wasn't where it is now. I like you said I would have a lot of fillers. I didn't know how to maneuver and and direct the conversation. Like I feel like I do now. And it's just it's just an amazing just transformation that I feel like I've had and and I know some some people that have their their first iterations of something that's when it's public they remove it because they're so embarrassed by it or they don't think it's it reflects what they do now and that's very valid i don't want to remove them just because i think it's a little bit endearing because it's and it also i listen to this show after i upload it so i can learn from it so and it goes back to you know any artwork you sh- you have to reflect on what you've done even if you hate it because it's a learning experience everything you create is a learning experience i learn something new every single uh, episode that we record so with that being said i let's uh, i let's i want to ask you some of the questions that we that i asked you in our yeah. pilot episode and see how we've changed and i have the answers here so listen oh yeah don't necessarily have to go back if, <laughs> and listen to that I don't, episode. I don't remember. I remember vaguely what I answered. Because I remember actually listening to the episode as well, like maybe a few weeks ago. But I completely forget what I said. So it'll be interesting to see what you tell me what I say. Yeah. And so I, I, I just want to say, holy shit, this was, for me, extremely difficult to listen to. And I am very critical about myself. And I've listened. I've been on a few other podcasts or even our own stuff. I've. I, very critical on how I sound, how I say things. It's it's just how I am. I'm just very hypercritical of myself. But this was something else. <laughs> uh, but what Why? I really like, like about what, what, what about it? I just Before you I, say again, what you like about it. What what uh what about it? Do, were you like oh man? Well, for me, it, it's like what I said earlier. My confidence level was really low. I, I the big thing is I I wasn't. I I didn't know how to captain and maneuver a conversation like i do now not to say i'm utterly perfect in the in the in the modern like in the modern day but at that time there was lots of fillers uh very much not knowing how to broach the next point i would say a lot of uh okay well that let's let's go let's we're gonna go on to this next point there was no transition it was just okay cool yeah and then next point I feel like now, hopefully, I'm a little bit better with that, and I can transition, and it's more conversational and fluid. But I just felt like there was no fluidity in our first show, the first yeah. few shows when we first started, and and I and I just felt like I, I definitely didn't know what I was doing. For honestly, Brian, for you, I thought that you were pretty much on, like you were on top of your game, and that I don't th- I don't agree with you, but. Well, I guess, yeah, you know, and I guess that means we're just, you know, critical of, of ourselves and we're just trying to learn from it. And because we're not those people that are like, oh, yeah, I was perfect. Uh, yeah, that's just not who yeah, we are. absolutely not. But I always thought that you always knew what you were doing. And so, and that goes into the last, uh, like, year or so when I started doing solo reviews. I was super anxious because I didn't think I could hold a conversation with myself. But through doing that and, and going into that uh that broaching that new territory i figured out what works for me and how i can start a conversation for me personally i have to write a script about a lot of what we do even if it's writing out my points like the most recent episode i did with dana buckler from dana buckler show about bohemian rhapsody a lot of my points i had written down i didn't read them verbatim but it just it helped me formulate my thoughts and and that's something for me that i need to succeed i feel and to have to produce one of the best products that I can. So that was how I thought when I was listening to it. But I, I stuck it through just so I could get all of these questions for this uh, conversation. Before I ask the, well, before I say what I really liked about the episode, did you have anything when you listened to it recently about what you didn't like? Well, in terms of what I didn't like, I think it was, it wasn't nearly as bad as I thought it was going to be. 
I kind of went into it cringing and flinching, ready to expect the worst. But honestly, I think we even even then, uh, 19-year-old us knew how to conduct a conversation, if rudimentally. Because, I mean, we're brothers, and we know how to talk to each other, and it's something that we love. So ultimately, it's going to be not an awful product. But now we, we took that... We took that unpolished ball mass and refine it into something I think special that's something me and you can have together that hopefully we share with other people just just through trial and error and putting it through the works um so yeah in terms of things that were wrong with it it was just everything it was just unpolished edges and I think we're we're getting to that point where we can conduct a, a pretty solid conversation with the polished edges and, and a good conversation. I think we're getting Exactly. There. Exactly. And and I want to get into what I really liked about that episode. And I think is the really the basis, I think, the foundation for the show. Especially for me. So right off the bat, I, I wanted to be exposed to more film. And I think that's why this... Well, I hope this podcast works for people. Because there's just this fundamental love and appreciation for cinema as a whole. In that I feel like some I've tried listening to I, I love listening to as many podcasts as I can to try and learn from all these people. So I have just a collection of different podcasts, and I try and listen to film ones. And it seems like it's either they can fall into one of two categories: either this basis and love of film, or the bandwagon where people they kind of like film, they just but they have no substantial. Uh, understanding of how film works or just even an appreciation for it so it's just this roundabout conversation that ultimately falls flat after like five minutes of there's no there's no discussion about it and i think for us even though we're trying to find our groove we just have that basic foundation of the appreciation for cinema so and i and i went into it wanting to be exposed to more films yeah and i thought that this podcast was going to help me do that and I, and it's successful in that for me but i think that's what i really like about that first episode and our show just trying to think critically about it yeah no i i definitely i'm not trying to like toot our own horns or you know blow too much sunshine up our butts but like i feel like we're having a good conversation between each other um i'm not trying to add to the conversation of cinema or whatever i mean i am but at the same time at the end of the day I just want to talk about movies with my brother, and to the listeners, if you haven't seen the movie that we're talking about, I just want to expose as many people to the films that I recommend and that you recommend as possible, because we we like films. We, we I, I That's not a bold assumption to say that we know what we're talking about in terms of, like, what's good film. Um, in terms of what we're recommending to you, they add something to the canon of film to the understanding of an appreciation of film that is a positive aspect so i i feel like when if, if especially to my friends or my girlfriend if i recommend a movie it's because it'll add something to it and, and i'm not just saying something for the sake of it um so yeah that's why i kind of like this and i think another thing it goes to show that you don't need to be a film major you don't need to be you don't need to study not. film in some capacity. Like you just I need to like it. You I was a it. I was a bio major. I'm in nursing school. Brian, international relations, lawyer. You don't need to study film to have these conversations. And I think that if if if, if there's one thing that a listener, if they if you want to take anything away from this conversation, is go for it. You don't have to be a film major to appreciate and and have these in depth conversations about film. So it, that's all I yeah. have to say about well, <laughs> about also, that. I think it also goes something deeper to me personally. It helps to understand why a film is intelligent, uh, important, something like that. So, for example, if you watched Citizen Kane, you don't need a filmmaker to explain to you why the dynamics of them across the table signify them breaking apart in the marriage, you don't need to understand that to know why the film is important. If you individually as a person can watch a film and, 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 and the film elicits an emotion within you, that's the only thing that matters. If you watch Citizen Kane and feel anger or hatred or sadness, and I felt, I don't know, melancholy or happiness, 
the fact that we had different emotions and you and you understand that you felt something different than I did and are willing to talk about it, that's the most important thing. And that's what adds to the culture of cinema. Not the fact that you can have some asshole describe it to you technically or whatever. It's 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 more about the feelings that we feel when we watch films and whether you cry or laugh or feel ha- or feel happy it's more of the collective experience of film that you don't need it's it's like the tarantino method and 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 plenty of other film critics or not even critics directors where it's like i did films didn't come to me i went to films you know what I, mean? I hope that no, makes exactly. sense exactly no yeah. that makes perfect sense and yeah and film is art it's it's not so much about the technicality it's all about the emotion and the feeling that i, I would argue at least so yeah, I, I think that was excellently said, Brian. So I want to get into these questions that <laughs> that we asked each oh, other that yeah. we that that I thought would be really just basic questions for film that film buffs would ask each other on the first interaction with one another. So Brian, I think there's one, two, three, there's four or five questions that I have, very very rudimentary and basic. So this first question is. I guess I have it as what film genre are you? So maybe I was going at what I because I think how we started this was you would assign me a film genre and I would assign you just based off our personalities and then we would say what our favorite ones are. What did I say for you? Do you remember? <sighs> did you write it down? I this one I kind of I skipped through it, but I I do have the answers for the other ones. But I think you said something along the lines of like uh like something like, stupid like drama no 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 like crime noir or something along the lines of that. That's and not I think, what I would put you at now. And I said I think like a classical like drama. I don't know. I, that was the point when I was getting into a lot of same here. You know epic films like 1930s through 50s. You know really trying to understand. Ben Hur, Ten Commandments, you know, things like Metropolis, things like that. So well, I think well, that's, that's where the cool thing because, like, even since we started um, these questions back in 2015, we both, as people who we've seen so many more films, been exposed to so many different movements, especially me, and has uh, have just the general experience of film has been so much more nuanced that. These these the answers to these questions I feel are going to be very different just because of the sheer virtue of what we've experienced now. At least that's how I take take it away. But it'll be interesting going back, like seeing how what what's changed and what hasn't. And I feel like that that'll for at least my answers because I have my answers for like the contemporary answers of the twenty nineteen answers. I feel like there there's going to be some deviation, but also some overlap. So. Let's get into Definitely. it. Definitely. So, well, so let's let's write where we were three and a half years ago. What film genre would you assign me, Brian? So, I think y- your film genre, I would say musical. Yeah, I I definitely can concur with that one, and because I always find myself going back to musicals. Music is a very instrumental thing for me in my life. Not. And, and you as well, Brian, but I think in very different capacities because you played music and you experienced it in a different way. But I, in college, one of the things that they always said about me was that Mike always has an, uh, an earphone in. And whether I was listening to the podcasts or music, mostly music, and I've tried, you know, making films around music, I, I was just surrounded by it. And I just love going back to musicals. I think you were, you're spot on in the 2019 version of this maybe in another few years we'll do a we'll revisit this and see if anything's changed but right now i I definitely would concur film genre for me is most definitely musical for you brian the flip side you know i think you were saying more about westerns and samurai films and to me that hasn't really changed i think it's more of that I don't want to say I don't want to say western and samurai films. I think it's more of this this really this this huge uh what's the word? Maybe macrocosm. I have no idea if that's a word. It's just I think it's more of this this it's this open world with this single strong idea that really drives it forward that I think is very very persistent in these western samurai genres. So that that's I, I that's what I would go with 
Brian, what about you? Have has anything changed? Am I wrong? Uh, no, honestly, going back, I remember specifically I said Spaghetti Western and Samurai slash Chambara were my favorite genres, and the only uh, and they still ring true. They are still my favorite genres wholeheartedly. Um, but also, I would add the musical genre into there as well. I'm I found out I'm a huge sucker for musicals, and especially when we talked about um, earlier episodes like um, the Young Girls of Rushford. Um, Damien Chazelle, Jacques Zemi, and even even with stuff like, um, oh God, Gene Kelly, and what what have you, I, I now the musical genre has infused within the spaghetti western and the samurai, and it's weird because like they're polar opposite genres, but I still have the love and af- and affection with both of these genres. Um, so yeah, I mean. On on that whole, within the past three and a half years, the genres have stayed the same, except we just have a new edition. Exactly. Yeah. I and this was definitely one that I I was curious to see how you would respond because when we started the podcast, you had such an a a wider variety of films that you had seen, and you st- and and that still if anything, it's gone even more. I've seen. I've I've tried to I've taken upon myself to expand that horizon even more. So and I, and 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 I, and I think we've go we've gone different ways in expanding the films. I think I've gone more the experimental route. You know, especially like directors that come to my mind. You know, David Lynch and Bruce Connor, like just very abstract experimental filmmakers that are very polarizing for people. And Brian, where where do you think you've gone in your expansion of of film? Um, I guess, well, it's more so, I guess if you had to, like, tie directors to it, it would be, I mean, I delved even more into Lars von Trier, Jacques Demy, more classical people, um, I mean, even Jacques Demy isn't something that isn't as, like, a universally recognized name, but I delved more into, like, Kurosawa, it's, it's weird, like, I guess, like, it's more, like, genres that I delved into, so I delved more into the musical genre, the western genre. I'm trying to think since then who else. Like, it's pretty much literally everything. Like I got more into like the. I know this isn't a genre, but it's like the French New Wave, like expressionism. Uh, oh man, let's. Uh, what is it? I mean, like Germany, German expressionism, French impressionists. Like I, I what I'm trying to say is that I've. Instead of directors, I've just kind of gone into like different countries and regions, and along the way, I've picked up different directors that I can't even really remember right now. So, but they're definitely not. I I would classify them as more mainstream. Quote mainstream. It's funny you you mentioned the uh, the regions because I feel like because I just mentioned uh, experimental filmmaking, and then you know just two directors that I really tried to explore. But I feel like I did that more with music, and that influenced how my short films that I was making, especially in the realm of uh, Italy, I really tried to expand into their music, specifically opera and their pop music, and and then I tried watching some of the short films, also music videos. I've been trying to watch a lot more music videos lately, Uh, I don't know, or in the last few years, I don't know why, I just think it's a different medium of expression so to reiterate the musical so brian now this this can transition right into the next question about favorite directors i can go first in that so for me and I'll, i'll say what we did originally so for me i said my favorite director was george romero now i don't think i would necessarily say that i definitely have such an appreciation for him and i love his films but to go as far as he's my favorite director i don't think i would I would say that now. Now, when he had unfortunately passed away, I I did a uh, in in memoriam because he is the start of my movie fascination and appreciation with Dawn of the Dead. Dawn of the Dead will always be my favorite film, and it's because of George Romero. And he no doubt has had such oh such an interesting influence on cinema as a whole. And and we'll get it to him in future episodes. I know Brian, we were talking about future episodes and George Romero. Yeah, we got definitely him, we got him down the pipe. So, but I had George Romero. Now, 
I don't know. I was thinking about it. I don't. I, I think I would probably have to argue Stanley Kubrick, but that was after a long time. Like, I don't really. I think right now, like, yeah, I, I appreciate specific directors, but overall, I don't know if I really look at the director so much anymore. I mean, I, I was thinking about Damien Chazelle, but I don't know. He's so young in his career. I don't really have. You know, he, we're still figuring out what he has to do. Or like Barry Jenkins, he's he's still relatively young in his career. And, you know, we have, fortunately, <clears throat> our entire lives to experience their, these young directors' films. But I think ultimately, I'm going to go back to Stanley Kubrick and just... And, and, I mean, we could have an entire episode dedicated to Kubrick and his films. But just what he added to cinema, because he definitely was one of the was one of the directors that I've been really throwing myself into their work. Uh, I bought last last um last Christmas I bought myself and Brian a book about the Stanley Kubrick archives and it's a, it's such a fascinating read about all of his, the canon of his films and just getting a new appreciation uh, appreciation for his film. You know, finally sitting down and watching Lolita or uh Pass of Glory or you know all of his early stuff with the the uh, I forget the the bank heist or the uh, oh, the, the racetrack yeah the killing or the day of the fight or you know his his films that he has in this book he hates and but it's just so fascinating to to look at his work and and just what he the technical marvel of his films and the insane genius that he was so I think Kubrick is definitely my favorite director that doesn't mean I love all of his films I don't want to say is that there, is there any other ones though. Like, is it just Kubrick? Are there any other people? I mean, like I said, uh, there's Barry Jenkins, there's Chazelle, there's Jacques Demy recently. I'm I'm looking at my collection. I'm just trying to get some ideas. Uh, I mean, those are I mean, those are guys that I I've added since 2015, but I may be experimenting more with Wes Anderson. You know, I but I feel like I could just start saying a bunch of directors yeah. that I appreciate, but I think Kubrick is definitely my favorite director just from, well, one, because he's obviously no longer with us and his, we have his canon, like his, the Kubrick era has come and gone, but his films still have these super impactful, uh, messages and themes that, that we're still talking about, you know, however many years after the film was made in his death. So I think for that reason, Stanley Kubrick is just that fascinating Marvel and this person of interest that I just this enigma that I can't really seem to crack, and I think that's why I I really enjoy him. Yeah, yeah, totally. And, f- and wait, keep going. No, no, I'm done. So oh, okay, well, because I guess I was gonna go into mine, and it's interesting because we have a fair amount of overlap. Um, in terms well, of my favorite directors now. What your yeah, who, favorite directors who, were? Yeah, who were mine? I'm very so, curious. So you mentioned three, and so you had P.T. Anderson, Tarantino, and Leone, and you ultimately chose your favorite director as Leone. Okay, good. Which surprised me in the moment because I definitely thought it was going to be P.T. Anderson. And we had a conversation why, but it was definitely Leone, which, you know, has that changed at all? I mean, in terms of the people, it's funny because who I did I say other people as well? Do you remember? I mean, I mean these were like the top three. I mean, but it was, didn't it was I didn't I tack on like two other people? Uh, I that I, I don't remember. I just okay, if you don't have it written down, down, it's not a big deal. But I do have, as I have, I'm looking at my list right now. I do have Paul Thomas Anderson and Sergio Leone still made the list, and going off that, Sergio Leone of the people I have right now is still the top contender of that number one spot with P.T. Anderson as a close second. But now I have Lars von Trier, Jacques Demy, and Barry Jenkins. So that's why we're saying the, uh, I'm saying the overlap, which is very interesting. Um, Tarantino is still awesome, but he's not on the list anymore. Um, but you know, that, that's awesome that this is really cool. I, I don't, I don't really know what, what else I can say on these favorite directors besides it's Paul Thomas Anderson, Lars von Trier, Jacques Demy, Sergio Leone, and Barry Jenkins. Barry Jenkins in particular, I'm so excited for seeing what he is, what he's going to release. He he has not released a film that I do not like yet. Unfortunately, Damien Chazelle has. First Man was kind of a stinker to me. Um, I can appreciate it, but I didn't really like it. But Barry Jenkins, if Beale Street could talk, Moonlight, 
And he had one other film before that, but I haven't seen it. But those two films, though, are stellar. Yeah, exactly. And like like I said, there's I could just tack on, like, like just because, I mean, Stanley Kubrick, obviously, but just because I had some trouble, you know, articulating that point, there, that doesn't mean there's aren't of amazing directors that are out there. I mean, you have, you know, I'm just looking at my collection, George Miller, for example, uh, Edgar Wright, you know, there's all these people that make excellent films, but, you know, Stanley Kubrick to me just stands out. So now moving on to the next point, uh, favorite actors. And I, and for this one, I wanted to tack on actresses as well, because we, we only included actors, but not actresses, which I thought now was odd that we didn't do that. So Brian, uh, for me, the the list hasn't really changed. I, I know I've talked about it before, but right off the bat, I said Ewan McGregor. Yeah, I think I just talked about Ewan McGregor. For some reason, I thought Michael Fassbender and Michael C. Hall were in there as well. But I, for this pilot episode, it was only Ewan McGregor. I've come, like Ewan McGregor is phenomenal actor, charismatic, really you know top tier actor but i don't think he's my favorite i i think what had happened is he's my man crush like everyone's got one everyone's got a celebrity man crush ewan mcgregor is that man for me and and i think that bias kind of leaks in to whenever he's in a performance but he also does he's also a fantastic actor so it's also deservedly so but i i think i'm going to take him out of my you know top three favorite actors and instead uh, the new lit, the, the old, well, Michael Fassbender and Michael C. Hall are definitely in that top three. Michael Fassbender has such a wide range, and every time I see him, I'm just mesmerized by his performance. And my favorite moment from my, uh, Michael Fassbender is in X-Men First Class, when he and Charles Xavier, or, um, when they're, when they're when they're uh when he's when they're doing the training and they're trying to tap into his emotions and he turns the metal satellite and that moment that Michael Fassbender it's a close up on his face and he just smiles and just with pure happiness that he's able to do this and it's just so emotion driven and and so that that but he's also just a phenomenal actor in that and then Michael C Hall goddamn can't you can't not love this guy you know, anywhere from his TV work in Six Feet Under, Dexter, specifically Dexter is what turned me on to him. Six Feet Under made me appreciate him more. His uh, new Netflix show, Safe, or it was a limited series, was phenomenal as is that well. Netflix? But, yeah, Safe. It's like no a way. it's, it's I'm a mini series. Yeah, no, I t- highly I... recommend it. Nice. I need more Michael C. Hall in my life, so that's awesome to know that. But he's he's great. Like I I love him. So, but. But the one change that is now being added recently is Rami Malek from Mr. Well, for me, he's been in a lot of different stuff. But for me, it was really solidified with Mr. Robot, my favorite TV show of all time. He's phenomenal in it. But it was, for all you listeners, you might already know this, it was it was chiseled in stone after Bohemian Rhapsody. Say, and I, we've I've already had tons of conversations about Bohemian Rhapsody on this show and it's it's no I'm it's no secret that I like the film definitely has its flaws but Remy Malik absolutely phenomenal in the film Com- in my opinion completely deserves the Oscar for best actor for his portrayal of Freddie Mercury but he is definitely I think my favorite actor, and I am now, and I'm now looking back on the films that I didn't even know that I kind of forgot that he was in. You know, The Master, Night at the Museum. Uh, he was in. Uh, he's in Brojack, uh, Horseman. Uh, and Bojack. So, oh, what I say, Brojack. Yeah. And either way, he's. You know, I'm starting to recognize his work, and 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 I and I. You know, these are my three favorite actors: Rami Malek, Michael Fassbender, and Michael C. Hall. In no particular order, but they're just my favorite. And so, Brian, for you, I don't know if this has changed, but you said Robert De Niro. Is that it? That's all you said. Oh, that's weird. Well, De Niro's awesome in his own right. Um, Well, going really quickly back to Michael Fassbender, I will say I disagree with you on his best performance that I've seen. I think his best performance scene that I've seen him in is in Steve McQueen's Shame when he is um when what, what's her name? Carrie Mulligan is singing New York, New York and he starts crying. 
and that was actually real. Like, I think he had a friend, like, a, developed a good friendship with her, and as she started singing, that that was him in real time crying to her singing, and it's just it's just good acting. It's a good it's a good scene, but um, going back to my favorite actors, I have so I said Robert De Niro, which in a good in all in gen in general, like that is a good choice. But I've actually he actually didn't make the cut this year. Um, right now it is Tom Hardy. Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman, and and honestly, uh, if you're gonna boil down Joaquin Phoenix and Philip Seymour Hoffman's role into like, if you had to like distill them down into like, why did they make Brian's cut? Watch Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master, and you will understand why I say that. Yeah, of course. But Tom Hardy is also just awesome. He's he's just an energetic, high octane performer. And I really appreciate and love him. And all, even still, like, Joaquin Phoenix, is, he's going to be the new Joker. He's been in everything else that's great. Even even his even his satire stuff, like, I'm still here is awesome. Philip Seymour Hoffman is a gem. And he, uh, it's, it really, I, it honestly still sucks to me that he, that he passed away. Um, I, it still kind of hits me every now and then when I, like, watch a film with him in and I'm like, damn, we are missing a true talent in the world. But yeah, no. So those are my three actors that I've that I've boiled down to. Okay, and to add to that, what about your favorite actresses? For me, I think it really comes. I I feel like every time I say favorite actress, it's it's going to come down to uh, Charlize Theron. For me, she is just top tier, classy woman, but amazing, and her range is great. I I think I was first. Wait, really who'd you say that? I'm sorry. Charlize Theron. Oh, okay, okay. So I think with. Mad Max Fury Road, that was like the first film that I really took interest of her. And then, you know, Atomic Blonde came out, you know, so two action films, but her dramatic stuff is just amazing. What was the, the film that just came out? Uh, she she played like, uh, like a mom and she gained all this weight, but Monster was also another uh, transformation role. She's just a phenomenal actress. She's beautiful. She she can do pretty much anything anyone gives her. She can be funny. She can be a badass babe. And I can believe it, too. That's another thing about, you know, some people, actors, like men and women, you put them in a an action role, and you're like, okay, there's no way. But she sells it. So for me, she she has such a wide range. And, she she you know, if she's in a film, I would definitely go see it because of her star power for me. So, Charlize Theron is definitely probably my favorite actress. Okay, yeah, and that's fair. Um, and I, I actually put Frances McDormand. Like, I, 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 I totally appreciate her, um, especially more in her contemporary stuff, like, um, oh, God. Did, did she win the Oscar for um, Three, billboards? Three Billboards? Yeah, yeah she did. That, that's good. Good for her. And because even she even had... Because she had the really awesome speech at the Oscars of uh, everyone, every female in this room that was nominated, like all the female nominees stand up. This is awesome. And I was like, fuck yeah, that is awesome. Like, good for you. And she was, you know, great in that film. And, 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 well, she is great. But that film specifically, she was phenomenal. But that moment was amazing for her too. But yes, yes, uh, Frances McDormand. Yeah, and that, that was the only person I could think of that I was like when I maybe Amy Adams but when I, I don't when I when it's like a person when I identify as like my favorite actors like when I see them that they're in a movie I'm like wow I have to see that movie and yeah Francis McDormand or McDormand so all right awesome so now this gets into our favorite movies our top five favorite movies so I can go first because I can be really fast my I don't think my favorite movies have changed at all since uh, 2013, or, I'm sorry, 2015, so for me, I've said this before, Dawn of the Dead, 1978, George Romero's, that will always be my number one, that, I, I don't think that that's ever gonna change, and then, number four through five are, you know, they're up for, they, they could change, so, my, uh, two through five in this order, so it was Dawn of the Dead, Whiplash, 2001 A Space Odyssey, I believe I said Mad Max for your road, that that might change. I'm not really sure yet. But then the sound of music. So those are my favorite films uh, right now, and th- I don't think those have changed 
as of now. Mad Max, I that might be out, but I can't really... I'd have to really think about what would change it. Because I have... I feel like I have seen... I have a gut reaction that I've seen much better films. Or not much better, but just films that I that I think deserve that spot more than than um than Mad Max for your road. But th- that's as of right now. Once if that ever changes, I'll announce it in the podcast or whoever gives a shit. But so Brian, for you, your top uh five films that you said in no particular order were Once Upon a Time in America, City of God, The Deer Hunter, Pulp Fiction, and Seven Samurai. How about okay. how about that? Um so actually, wait. Say that one more time. The order. Sorry. Once upon a time, in my America, City of God, The Deer Hunter, Pulp Fiction, and Seven Samurai. Okay, so we I've kept only two of those on the current list. So right now, the the ones that stayed were Once Upon a Time in America by Sergio Leone, The Deer Hunter by uh, Michael Cimino, uh, Cimino. Uh, and then the other two, or the other three that have arrived in this list are The Master by Paul Thomas Anderson, um, The Young Girls of Rochefort, which we have covered in a previous episode, and actually a film that I recently just saw called The Ballad of Narayama, which I actually plan on having us talk about pretty soon. And, I mean, there's there doesn't really much, because I, I actually want all of these that be episodes uh, eventually, so I don't want to talk too much on it, but yeah, those are those are my new top five no particular order films okay awesome so that concludes that and i guess we can start to wrap up but there are some things that we forgot to mention and and i guess this can go into our our closing thoughts how this show has progressed it's it's just been an utter blast for the last three years we've had our dry spells you know going in the school years when we were really busy you know with swimming with you know fraternity stuff schooling We've had dry spells, but, you know, it's been a blast every single time we sit down, just sitting down with the mic, with my script, with you, after watching a film, has been amazing. Throughout the last few years, we've had just many different people on the show. We've had independent filmmaker Chris Foster right after his independent film. We talked about that. He did an episode with us. We had Jim Hemphill, who, excellent filmmaker, excellent uh, critic or... But I don't think he calls himself a critic. Uh, I think he's a the film he uh, appreciator. I forget what he calls himself, but I don't think he calls himself a critic. But he big fan of his. But specifically, the big name Dana Buckler from the formerly Houses movie Dana Buckler show. He's been a guest on here on our show. I've been a guest on his. Big fan for me, and I think he's been, he's a and I told him this uh, on the Bohemian Rhapsody. He's a big proponent of, of helping shape this and form the show uh, alongside with his. But we've we've had some of my friends on here, Will and Jake Shell. We've had just amazing conversations. Oh, David, a uh, 40s kid. We talked about World War Two and Dunkirk. It's just we've had just so many people come onto the show. And one thing that Dana says is the uh, the podcasting family, which I think and it's made me want to start reaching I've reached out to people like I said in the beginning of the show some have returned some you know still in the works hopefully we can get some people on but it's just been an utter blast and just this community of podcasting is is just it's an honor to be a part of yeah no and that that's the thing that I really am really grateful for in terms of this whole experience is that reaching out to a wider audience and also just being a part of this awesome community of just film appreciation. It's something that I never would have, would have seen ourselves kind of in four years ago. It's just this, this, this great, there's something that's something much greater than ourselves. And also just an appreciation, appreciation that we can reach out to other people and get them involved in what we love and appreciate and hopefully have them experience that them for themselves as well as we do and uh, it's just that i think that's like the the greatest thing about this whole endeavor is that it it just just the outreach and and connections that we all kind of foster throughout this this whole thing exactly so i think that is uh this concludes this episode of amateur tours everyone it's been such an a pleasure and an honor and thank you for supporting us in just this in this hobby that we have it's something that we really do enjoy 
uh, and, and we want to make it better. We want to be better content creators. Ed, anyone that's listening, just again, thank you. We, we, if it wasn't for any of you, we would not be doing this. And it's just thank you from the bottom of my heart. And, you know, here's for another three, five, ten years, however long, the podcasting in the show. Yep, yeah, exactly. Here, here's to, here's to another three and a half and many more. Thank you, and thank you so much, really. I can't, I can't express the gratitude that I feel for everyone that's on the platform and, and, and giving us the support and love. Exactly. So, with that, guys, again, that concludes this episode of Amateur Tours. You can follow us at Twitter, at AltoursPod. You can email, email us with any questions, comments, concerns, just want to talk at the amateur tours podcast at gmail.com and we'll see you next time guys thank you thank you for listening to this episode of amateur tours cover design was created by sarah jacobs you can find more of her work at our own site and instagram digital adventures opening and closing theme dreams was created by joachim karid which was found using a creative Commons search as a small plug go check out both joachim's and sarah's work they really deserve it all content discussed and shown is the property of their respective owners and is used under the Fair Use Act, Section 504C2, Title 17. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We are working hard to bring you all new content and episodes. So thank you again, and we'll see you next time.